I just got all the executives, the last, since November, I put 200 from the chairman all the way down to the top 200 people through a 10-week program on kindness and, and principle-based love in the workplace, how to be a servant leader. I mean, this is stuff companies don't even talk about. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Zach Miller. I really enjoyed the recording of today's episode. It's different than what you've heard before on the show. On today's show, we have Dennis Budnick, Chief Culture Officer at $20 billion Investors Bank, which has about 160 branches and nearly 2,000 employees. Joining us is Patrick Brigger, co-founder and chairman of GetAbstract, an educational platform that provides summaries of nonfiction books. And what I liked so much about this conversation was that we talked about people, real people with real needs in the workplace. We frequently talk about financial services employees as numbers, as cogs in a massive wheel, but of course, they have desires, fears, and needs. They have a desire to connect to their coworkers and their organizations and feel wanted, like they're contributing. Dennis and Patrick describe the magic that can go on inside an organization if you empower people to learn, to strive to be better, to improve themselves and their colleagues. In essence, free them up to be human and to bring their best to work. Hope you enjoy the conversation. Before we continue with our program, I'd like to thank our sponsor, MX, for supporting Tearsheet's work. MX is the leading data platform for banks, credit unions, and fintechs, enabling its clients and partners to easily collect, enhance, analyze, present, and act on financial data. Uh, well, um, Dennis Budnick, um, I'm, I live in New Jersey. My title is Chief Culture Officer, and the company I work for is Investors Bank. Uh, we happen to be the largest New Jersey-based bank in New Jersey. Um, rapid growth in the last seven years. Uh, we're up to about close to 160 branches, a little over 2,000 people. My job is to create the, uh, the culture within the mindset of our employees, a uh, culture of uh, uh, positivity, um, uh, positive psychology, managing emotions, uh, building hope in your life and in the workplace, and creating a, a, a workplace that uh, represents a good positive feeling with uh, optimism and success uh, being very possible. So it's, it's all about feeling good. And, and my job is to get 2000 people to feel that way uh, as many days of the year as I possibly can. That's a big offering. Uh, we'll come back to you, Patrick. Hi. Yeah. My name is Patrick Brigger and I'm one of three co-founders of get abstract. And as you probably can hear from my accent, I'm in Switzerland. Uh, where we have our headquarters, although our company is really very much virtual um, and we're spread over the entire uh, globe and we have clients all over the world and um, a lot of clients in the States as well. And uh, so we're very happy to be able to work with Dennis and, and his firm. And what does Get Abstract do? Uh, we do something super, super simple. We When we started in 1999, um, we... Um, took a book, business books, and we summarized them on five pages so that you can get the key ideas, the key points of a book in 10 minutes or less. And that, that's what our vision was. Um, that, that's what our vision was, uh, sorry, <laughs> uh, 20 years ago. And we, we, we thought, ideally, you should summarize the entire Library of Congress, all 25 million titles at that moment 
Um, because in the old times, the Library of Alexandria, the Egyptian library, already had summaries in their paper rolls, so you could see what's inside the document. And uh, our vision was and still is, everything should be summarized. Obviously, today we have 20,000 titles, so we miserably failed at that mission, but we said, let's focus on, on the business books and on business titles. Customer expectations have changed. People are looking to their financial institutions to provide them with experiences that fit their lifestyles. That doesn't mean just dumping data on them. It means providing proactive, personalized, and predictive advice. That's where Money App with Pulse comes in. Developed by MX, the personal finance manager makes it possible to engage customers on every level, from professional budgeters to people who try to avoid personal finance entirely. This can lead to a 60% increase in logins and a 28% increase in NPS. See the MX platform in action. Ask for a demo at MX, that's the letters M and X, dot com. Got it. So switching back to, to Dennis. Um, Dennis, you were brought in, from what I've, I've read, to, to sort of affect a cultural change. Um, can you describe sort of, and I know you did in, in sort of your intro, but can you go a little bit deeper in terms of the cultural change that you were trying to engender at Investors Bank? Well, um, you know, when I, when I was, I, I, I was actually had a company called FTC Methods. And, and uh, investors was one of my clients. And what I did with my company was go into financial organizations and conduct 15 and 20 week positive psychology programs, similar to like a Dale Carnegie course, mm -hmm. but it was built around the specifics of their business. And it was, it was creating a positive mindset. Uh, uh, we had people creating vision boards. We tied it into the five most important activities that drive success within your job. And we have people actually go out and practice these activities using the principles that they've learned. Uh, after about two and a half years of working with Investors Bank as, as a client, uh, the CEO president invited me to, to join the company as chief culture officer. So, and I thought that was an interesting um, opportunity because at that point, my company was about uh, six years old. Uh, I've been doing this since 1981, so I had a lot of experience, but I was telling companies what they should be doing, but I never really did what I was telling companies to do. So this opportunity was, was really an opening for me to actually go into a company and experiment with these principles and ideas that these books were writing about. And I wanted to personally experience the challenge of actually executing on it. And I felt that would actually make me better as, as a teacher. And, and it sure was, it was a big eye opener. Um, one thing I've learned about creating culture and changing mindset is it's nowhere as easy as the books make it seem to be. And it was not as hard as people think it is. So I found myself somewhere in the middle where this isn't easy to do, but it could be done. And so uh, I felt that I became more valuable to the marketplace because now I'm personally trying to drive these principles myself. And um, so, so I found myself working here. I thought it was a two-year experiment, and that was eight and a half years ago. <laughs> and, and, so, and we continued. Go ahead. I'm sorry. So why is learning and self-improvement like sort of core to, to what you were trying to, um, to give over in the bank? Well, you know, I, I, I tie it into habits. You know, we hire people that have a set of habits that they've developed over their career. And... Um, you know, we're, it's a new industry. You know, we have new competition. We, we have uh, a sharper insight into our communities and into our client base. And things are becoming 
harder and more difficult to be successful. So um, my belief is that we needed to change our behaviors or change our habits in order to be more competitive. And so my, my, my focus was on the individual. If I could get individuals to make a decision to become a better version of themselves or to develop certain skills that up till this point, you know, they've been struggling with. Uh, if I could create more hope in people's personal lives that your life could be better, could be happier, could be more abundant, but you need to change the way you see things. And, and as you change the way you see things, you change your energy, you, your behaviors start to change a little bit, and all of a sudden the outcome starts to shift. And so it's important to organizations today to pay attention to how people think, because how people think, that's their program. And as things become harder, people need to get more valuable, better at what they do. And if you have someone that's been practicing something for 10, 15, 20 years, that's not an easy shift. You know, uh, we can tell people, hey, you know, you need to change your activities in order to be successful in this type of uh, economy. Oh, that's, that's easier said than done because our biggest challenge is ourselves. How do you change habits? Well, you know, the research says it begins with a new way of seeing things. And, and it sounds simple, but, it, but it's, it's a whole process of spoon feeding a new way of thinking, a new way to see the world, a new way to see your own personal obstacles. Um, there's a lot of different versions of ourselves out there. And what I'm trying to help our, our people see is there is a more valuable, more productive version of you. And my job is to help you uncover that and see that and see that there's more potential. And, and it's been working for 20 years. I mean, people do find themselves and, and all of a sudden they, they change their behaviors. They change the way they see. They lose 50 pounds. They change the color of their hair. They fix their relationships. They start to become more productive. And what changed in their life was the way they see things. And that's mindset. That's really interesting. And so this goes back to Patrick. Patrick, with, with some of your other financial services clients, do you find something similar? Is this, do they work with Get Abstract not, not just to, to get information, but also to, you know, to go deeper in, in terms of changing mindset? Absolutely. I think what Dennis is saying is super interesting and super, super important um, for companies in the financial industry, but for companies and learning and development um, departments as a whole. You know, L&D solutions have often focused on developing workplace skills. But today, employees, they need and they want a broader perspective and they want solutions that allow them to develop themselves more holistically. And um, so it's important that people can extend the personal knowledge beyond their own working boundaries. And I think today, um, part of what companies need to do, they need to foster an urge for curiosity uh, and then also be able to um, satisfy that curiosity in various areas. I mean, remember, for instance, how a tech company, Apple, was able to overthrow a telecom company, Nokia, 11 years ago, uh, when they had 90% of the telecom market when, by introducing a phone without a keypad. Mm -hmm. And that's only a feat you can accomplish with employees who think beyond existing structures and processes. And so I, I totally resonates what Dennis is saying. You, you change habits, maybe you change your personal habits, you fix relationships, you change your, your hair color, but you also start to think not only what's 
being written down in your job description. You start to think out of those boundaries and you start to analyze the processes around you and you're not afraid of saying, hmm, I figured out something where we could improve the company as a whole and, and enter new territories and yeah, develop a phone without a keypad where everybody uh, is laughing at you at first and then you conquer the market all of a sudden. That's right. That's right. So, so, so Dennis, so I, I guess in practice, how do you do that? Like what are the hooks and the triggers or the, or the incentives that you've created at investors to, um, to, get, to get your employees to rally around that and, and to using GetAbstract? Well, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a long process, but it starts with a re-education of the leaders in a company. You know, so my, my first opportunity was to sit down with the board members and to sit down with the leaders, the top 12 leaders, and get them to see the world differently. The world is, is, is a combination of skills and then is a combination of willpower. And if we look at sales and we look at leadership, you know, very little relies on, on, on product knowledge and skills. It's really about managing the world that we try to do business in, managing your emotions, managing your frustrations, managing your anxieties, managing your own lack of confidence of, of trying something new, fear, uh, 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 judgment, all that stuff we fight against every day. So, you know, there's a belief in, in a learning world that if you teach someone about a product, they'll go out and sell it. And I laugh at that. And I say, well, how's that working for you? You know, that's only 15% of the equation. It's the emotional challenge of communicating and connecting with someone else to get them to see the world the way you see it. That's an emotionally challenging thing. And so for me to be successful in the organization, I had to get as many executives as I can to not only understand that, but to actually believe it in their own personal lives. And that worked for me. I had the CEO that, that just started reading all the books and all the abstracts, and I got top leaders saying, man, this stuff is great. Well, it's only great because they, 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 uh, they brought it into their personal lives, and it improved their personal lives. And I'm like, you know, I, I see my relationship differently. I, I see how I manage people differently, and it's starting to resonate. I could, I could see it, and they could taste it. And once you get the leaders to taste it, then they're behind it. And they say, now go out and get as many people as you can to feel the way I feel. And so we started with 10-week personal development programs. And, and uh, then I, I, I moved it to 15 weeks. And we put every employee through the program, wow. uh, right down to the teller line. And uh, now I just finished. The, I, that, that started 10 years ago. I just got all the executives. The last, since November, I put 200 from the chairman all the way down to the top 200 people through a 10-week program on kindness and, and principle-based love in the workplace. How to be a servant leader. I mean, this is stuff companies don't even talk about. I was going to say, this is but, like the first time we've ever heard of it on the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> so, but, but they resonated to it. You know why they resonated to it? Because it feels good and it's right. And I'm teaching, them, I'm teaching our leaders, do the right thing from the heart. Treat people like people, and they'll give you more than what you ask for. People want to feel important. People want to feel significant. And when you put that out there, you're going to get that back. Now, that's a hard concept to sell. 
but I sold it to, I would say, 50% of our leaders totally bought into this. I mean, we have people doing book clubs. We have people taking their teams out, going bowling. We have, we, I take people to a farm out in, uh, where I live in Jersey, and they, and they harvest food for the poor. And I'll get, I'll get 90 people out there, and they work and sweat and get dirty and pick corn. And that corn's delivered to soup kitchens and pantries throughout the state of New Jersey and New York. I mean, I'm trying to make our business a personal community. And the way you do that is you introduce them to concepts of, of human nature. You know, they're starting to like each other. They're starting to appreciate each other. And when that happens, you, you get better ideas. People are less likely to fight. They're, they're more likely to be agreeable. There's a lot more collaboration going on. There's a lot more appreciation going on. And, and I'm going to tell you, get abstract was a major tool because we're using these tools to give them little bite-sized pieces of optional ways to think. And so uh, I'll pull an abstract out on, on collaboration and, hey, here's, I know you know what collaboration is, but here's something else to consider. And they start to read these new ideas and we have a discussion and it's like, wait, well, you know, I never really thought of it that way. Good. Well, maybe let's go buy the book now and you could further go into the thought and, and, and get the real science behind that abstract. So it starts at the top. The top totally supports it. They talk about it all the time. Um, and now, you know, it's eight years later and I'm on a, a whole new concept of kindness and collaboration in the workplace. It's about appreciation, uh, appreciating our people. It's about showing kindness to each other. It's about showing respect. And it's not like we have a problem with that. What I'm trying to do is bring it to the next level. And what's happening is new ideas are manifesting. Efficiency is happening because people are coming to agreements much quicker. And it's, I'm not teaching them to be efficient. I'm teaching them to be kind and patient with each other. And the manifestation of that is efficiency. And so it's a whole new approach. It's at least, I mean, I've been trying to research it. I haven't found really something like a copy. So I had to just create it on my own. And so I'm curious from, from Patrick, then what, what does the, what do the deliverables look like? What, what are the tools that a, a corporate client of Get Abstract would have so that they can run a program like Dennis is talking about? Yeah. First of all, we try to find the, the best content that would address exactly uh, topics like Dennis is describing them. So we, when I said we started with books, and that was 20 years ago. Today, a lot of the good knowledge is not only in books, but it's also in reports, in articles, in videos, TED uh, videos, other videos, in podcasts. So we try to find all the good content. We rate it. Uh, the rating is based on is it applicable? Can you use it in your company? Is it innovative? Is it new stuff or has it been chewed over many times already? And how is it written? And when it gets a good grade, then we summarize it. Because the key is to have a document that you can read in a short time. You know, 10, 20, 30 years ago, there were these online based uh, courses that takes two hours and it has a person from all different colors so you're politically correct and the text gets read to you and it's just too long and people would never finish it and and it's something you have to do and it, it just the usage was just not good and we try to provide a solution that is short that you can 
really the, the thing is you don't want to have a training where you force people to do it. You want to be able to um, give them a tool that you introduce where people embrace it afterwards because they can see, oh, I can change my behavior. I can learn something new in, in many different areas. It can be a more, um, you know, skill-based, but it can very often, like what Dennis is saying, in also soft skills, you know, books like Leading with a Noble Purpose, Lisa McLeod, or uh, stuff that Simon Sinek, Start with Why, is telling, so that all goes in that direction. And what we see then is that people start to um, do the learning not only during uh, working hours, but they would also do it during their commute or at home. And uh, you know, use it on their cell phones very often as well. Listen to audio, podcasts, or uh, things like this. So I think that's really important that we provide a solution where you can get the content very, very quickly uh, and you can consume it uh, whenever you'd like, informally, and in a, in a short time. You know, it's interesting, Patrick, because, uh, you know, when I do my classes, and, and I'm always in the classroom, and I have usually 20, 30 people in my class. And, mm -hmm. and the first day of a 10-week program, I'll ask, raise your hand uh, uh, if you're currently reading a book and write the name of the book down and tell me what page you're on. And um, <clears throat> it's rare that I get one hand to be to, to raise yeah. up. And, and when a hand does go up, it's usually not a business book or a personal development book. It's, it's a novel. Or maybe mm -hmm. it's a book on history. And getting good for that person that they're reading. But, but we've stopped self-educating and we're too busy being busy to get better. And so, so what we do is run a treadmill every day and, and the job just gets harder because it requires new ways of thinking. And we're trying to, to, to make our current mindset be productive and successful in a new in a new economy that requires a different mindset or, or a, or a uh, adjusted mindset. So my goal, and, 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 and this is, that's why I fell in love with Get Abstract. And it's not a commercial because when, I, when, when Dan first came to me, I told him, don't even sell. I, I don't need to sell this. I see the value. Don't, you may sell yourself out of a sale. So don't say anything. Just get me a contract. Because what that did was it was, it was something that I could use to teach people you could start learning again. Mm -hmm. You need to learn again. You need to go back to school. And we don't, have, we don't have to read a book now. Now yeah. we've made it easier. Just read five pages and you're going to walk away knowing something you didn't know 10 minutes ago. That's the wonder of the universe. Mm -hmm. and, and, and people are resonating to that because they'll say, and I'll give you a good example. We were going to a conference and, and, and we had a booth set up in New York City. And um, I contacted the person that was going to be having their people there to network. And I said, let's do a meeting on networking before they go. And, and he said, well, they've been doing it a long time. And I said, yeah, I know, I know, but let's do, please just, why don't you just humor me and let's have a one hour meeting of networking. So he got his people together and I printed two abstracts from books that they abstracted on powerful networking skills. Mm -hmm. We were supposed to be an hour meeting. It lasted three hours. They were so involved in the information that they wrote down notes and they went and they used the information the next week. And uh -huh. they tried new techniques that they didn't even know existed. But that get abstract meeting created a new awareness 
and a new opportunity for them to get better. And, and we continue to use those meetings to just kind of polish our people up. And then, and what I find is the people that have been in banking a long time, they'll turn around and say, you know, I, I, I never thought, I thought I knew everything I needed to know. And what you're proving to me is I know very little. And I said, well, good. So you're in the same boat I'm in. The more we read, the more we realize we, what we don't know. I said, and that's the world of opportunity. Your competitive advantage is to continue to learn. Yeah. You need to know a little bit more than your competition. And that's, that's how you're going to get the sale. So when you go to network, know a little bit more than your competition about networking, and you'll make great things happen. And, and so it's this really creating a culture of self, self-development. It's your responsibility as, as, a, as a, a parent, as, as, as a spouse, or even, even if you just right now, you know, you're, you're on your own. It's your personal responsibility to make yourself more valuable and, and better. That's our goal in life is to find the deep treasures that we were born with and uncover them. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the approach I take. And a lot of people kind of embrace that because it feels refreshing and it feels like, wow, I, I never thought that I could change. I never thought that there's, there's a new opportunity for me out there. I, I thought this is the way I, I'm going to be the rest of my life. But no, that's not true. Here, read an abstract or read right. a book. You know what's happening with abstracts? is the abstract is actually getting a large population of our, of our people to start reading books. Because they'll read an abstract that they really, you know, it strikes a nerve. And, then they, and, I, and I buy books for any employee. I, I pay for the book. And I say, I'll build your library, no cost to you. Just email me and we'll buy you the book. And we get probably 50 requests a month for books to be bought. And I'll buy them on my budget and I'll send it to them and they start their library. And if I may add to this, Dennis, um, yeah. You know, we always talked about the knowledge worker, and I think today it's it's a really outdated concept because we don't have the knowledge worker anymore. We have the learning worker. That's right. You know, what you learn in school, you have to learn it. It's very useful. But as soon as you leave school, you have to continue because the world is changing so rapidly, and I think everybody can resonate. If you think about what you studied, what you learned, and what you do today – it's most likely very, very different. So it's exactly what you're saying. You have to continue to educate yourself. You can't just have a skill and then rely on it and it stays like this. And the interesting thing is when you do that, it's fun. It's not like I have to do it and it's a burden. But if you can do it in an, in an easy, natural way, it's a fun thing to do. And, and, and it makes you happier as a person. I totally agree with yeah. you. Yeah, you know, you know, it's interesting, you know, the question that's always, uh, I'm always asked is, how do you get people to do it? And mm-hmm. one of the tools that I use is vision board. I have our, every employee at the bank create a personal vision board. And, and that represents their future. I want them to put on a, on a board, you know, three by four or two by three board, pictures and words and phrases that they want in their life in the future. So if it's walking on a beach with your spouse, put a picture of that. If it's a Rolex watch and that's, that's what you want, put a picture of a Rolex watch. If it's peace and, 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 and harmony and good health, put that down. Um, and they start to look at that. And I say, put it in a spot that you could see it every day. And every day you say, I want that in my life. And what that's going to require is you making changes. 
Because that's the reason why you're making the changes. Don't make the change for the shareholder. Don't make the change for the marketplace. Make the change for your future. And I can't tell you how many, well, we have hundreds of people doing vision boards, but how many times I'll get emails from people saying, you know, I had this on my vision board three years ago, and I just wanted to email you. This actually happened in my life. I can't believe it. <coughs> Excuse me. And they start to visualize their future, and they start to emotionalize their future. And they start to kind of create this desire. I really want that in my life. What is it going to take? Well, it's going to take some polishing up. It's going to take some new ways of thinking about things. And all of a sudden, education doesn't become a burden. It becomes the solution. This is the thing that will give you what you want in the future. It's just not going to happen. You have to create this in your world. And it, 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 I use that as a tool because, well, I'll give you another example. When we have entry-level entry level people coming into the organization and they start a class with me, I have them write down what their hourly wage is. And I'll say, raise your hand if you're totally happy with that. And I, I rarely get a hand. I'll say, well, now double that number. And people will double the number. And you can see a smile on their face. And I say, now, now double that double number. And they see a smile on their face. And I'm like, now, isn't that, num does, isn't that number make you feel better? And they go, oh, yeah, I'd love to have that number. Okay. So what's the difference between the first number and the third number? Is your value to the marketplace. If you want that third number, then you need to become valuable enough to demand it. And how you do that is how you think. You need to fill your brain with knowledge. Now let's open a book and start reading it. And it becomes their own personal pursuit. They're not doing it for dentists. They're doing it for themselves. They're doing it for their family. They're doing it for their vision board. And this is all emotional stuff. I'm using, listen, every decision we make is emotional. And then we rationalize it later. So I'm trying to put the emotional world in front of our people saying, look, look how life could be if you could just make simple adjustments in the way you think, in the way you feel. Things change. And listen, people are buying into it because you know what people want? They want change in their lives. This is not a hard thing to sell to people. Everyone that comes into my class wants something to change in their life. And so I showed them how to do it. Dennis, Patrick, I'd like to thank both of you for joining us on the Tearsheet Podcast today and sharing your story with us. 